This is Horsepower Happenings. Tear up the body panel, fine. You know, you can bend those. You could have destroyed the whole race car, if not worse. I don't have any problem racing each other and trading paint and moving people. I mean, that's it's a short track bull ring. This right. is not Daytona. From the MCRP studios in the Motor City. But I do know also one thing. By the time I'm his age, I'll have more than 100 wins, and I promise you that. With Zach Heiser. Fager leads him down on the bottom side of the racetrack. Moyer trying to make something happen on the top shelf. Big run. He'll cross over now down the back straight away into turn number three. Moyer puts the binders on Fager nearly on the bike. And Rich Frank. Any progress, Zach, that they made on the last stop, they ruined on this one. So now they're really trying to get this thing off the ground. From the Motor City Racing Promotion Studios. Hey, guys, this is Oregon. This is three-time dirt car UMP national champion, Rusty Schlenk. This is Bobby Santos. This is Travis Stemler. This is Travis Brady. This is Andrew Shai. David Melky. Josh Fry. Ryan Rule. And this is Horsepower Happenings. Welcome in to Horsepower Happenings, Season 2, Episode 2, underway, right in the middle of Speed Weeks. My goodness, is there so much information to try and keep track of, so little time to do so. But that's why we're here, to keep you abreast of everything that's going on. So before we dive into everything that is going on and all of our interviews that we have lined up for tonight, uh, we need to take a look at some things that are going on in a Motor City Minute. Midland, Michigan's Travis Eddy has had an unbelievable start to his trip to the World Series of Asphalt Stock Car Racing at New Smyrna Speedway, and he is setting records in the process. More on that coming up. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. had to wait patiently through most of qualifying for this week's Daytona 500 yesterday, but he held off the Hendrick powerhouse of drivers to earn the first Daytona 500 pole of his career. Alex Bowman will start on the front row next to Stenhouse, making his third consecutive front row start in the 500. Obviously a busy week down in Florida for speed weeks, but as I like to say, ain't nobody got time for that. We can't cover it all in one podcast. However, we can tell you where to find all that coverage. It's horsepowerhappenings.com. We'll take a look at some of the things going on, though, on tonight's show. Those things and many more happening this week on Horsepower Happenings. I'm Zach Heiser. Rich France sits across the table from me tonight. And uh, my goodness, you and I were tasked this week with trying to keep up with what's going on at Speed Weeks. I had no idea there would be so much data entry in my life for racing. <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable. And, uh, you know, I, I picked up the NBC Sports uh, Gold Track Pass. Uh, I picked it up, and, and boy, I'm loving it. Uh, every yeah. night now I get to watch some racing from New Smyrna, and it's outstanding. But we're going to start out from uh, this weekend at Daytona. Michael Self's 2019 season ended one spot short of a championship in the 2020 season opener. He made sure he put the field on notice, dominating from the pole to win the Lucas Oil 200 driven by General Tire for the second time in the last three years. The victory is the third straight Daytona win for Venturini Motorsports, with Self winning it in 2018, Harrison Burton in 2019, and fourth overall for the organization. And in her DGR Crosley and Ford debut, Haley Deegan uh, drove her way to a runner-up finish, her best career result, and tying the best result for a female in the Arkham Menard Series. Self's Venturini teammate Drew Dollar finished third in his first career series start with Sean Core and Thad Moffat rounding out the top five. Next up for the Arkham Menard Series is a trip to Phoenix Raceway on March 6th. It, was all, it will also be the first race of the 10-race Sioux Chief Showdown. Well, one of the guys that's just dominating down at Speed Weeks is, uh, well, he's got a pretty famous last name. That'd be Eddie. That name is well-known to short track racing fans, thanks to Mike Eddie, a seven-time ASA champion. Eddie enjoyed plenty of success at the World Series of Asphalt Stock Car Racing at New Smyrna Speedway. In recent years, Mike's son Travis has carried on the family legacy in the Florida Modified Division. Travis Eddy has won the division's title the last two times. He's made the trip to Florida in 2017 and in 2019, and he's now well on his way to adding another title after sweeping the first three races of the 2020 World Series this weekend. With the win last night, the Midland, Michigan native now has eight career victories in the division at the World Series, giving the Eddy family 21 total triumphs at the event, with the win, Eddie currently holds a six-point advantage over Wayne Parker, who has finished on the podium to Eddie each night of the weekend. The first time since 1993 that a modified driver has started out the World Series with three straight victories. While the Florida Modifieds will take tonight off, they will be back in action tomorrow night for their marquee 75-lap feature event. Well, Zach, that tensions uh, rised uh, and reached a bowling point in the pro late model class on night three of the World Series of Asphalt Stock Car Racing. 
under a full moon at New Smyrna. Once again, the focal point was Jet Nolan and Jamie Skinner, which ended in a destroyed race car for Nolan and an early exit for Skinner. The two found themselves next to each other on the front row for a restart just after halfway, one night after the two tangled on track. They raced door-to-door for a lap and a half, making contact several times in the process before Nolan cleared Skinner down the backstretch. Uh, Skinner then drove into the back of Nolan going into turn three, sending the number 50 around and hard into the turn three wall. Nolan would climb out of his car under his own power while two tow trucks were needed to to tow the car behind the backstretch wall. Late in the event, Hayden Sprague would make contact with Connor Mozak in the final corner of the last lap, sending him around while going on to take the checkered flag. However, officials black flag Sprague for rough driving, relegating him to a fourth-place finish. Uh, rising through the ashes for the win was sprint car ace Gio Selzy, who had restarted on the front row before missing a shift and falling back to third. He would inherit the win after Sprague's penalty, his first career pro late model win, and second overall on asphalt. The events leading up to the finish had Selzy wondering how he ended up in victory lane. I don't even know what you call that. I don't even know what to say. You have so many good cars, and everyone was just crashing, Selzy said. I guess you just take them any way you can get them. There might be an asterisk next to this one but it is what it is david weaver would bring his number 11 machine home second his best career finish with mozak sprague and daniel die completing the top five and in the super late model class last night zach everything went completely opposite and according to plan for brad may may started on the pole and led every lap of the 35 lap feature event to pick up his first uh, win of the 2020 world series it was a quiet night for the super late models going green white checker for the first time this weekend ryan moore sammy smith who won on opening night jesse love and Stephen nassie would round out the top five well we've been talking a lot about new smyrna because uh, by the way obviously there's more racing going on down at speed weeks than just new smyrna horsepowerhappenings.com we've got the 411 on each and every night including local uh i should say regional drivers who are down there we tell you how they're doing and we also compile all the highlights and uh, all the results from uh, New Smyrna to Volusia to East Bay to Alltech. Uh, it's all there. Just check it out if you uh, want to keep up what's, uh, with what's going on at uh, Speed Weeks. And if you want to continue to do that this week, we'll be there for you as well. But, uh, you know, the, the, the tensions and the drama, Rich, from Speed Weeks really seems to be on the pavement side of things. Uh, we don't have time to talk about the Clash at Daytona, but that was more of a crash fest than a clash fest. New Smyrna, though was the same thing, and uh, it's really sparked a nerve with you this week on our Here's the Deal segment. Well, it was last night for sure, and, um, you know, I, 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 got, I got the track pass, and I was watching last night, and I figured, wow, we're going to get out of here. They had, the first couple races got over real quick, and then we hit the pro late models, and, oh, boy, did it get ugly, mm-hmm. and it got ugly in a hurry. Uh, we discussed just a little I, – I read in the story just a little bit, uh, Jamie Skinner and Jet Nolan – had an issue on Saturday night, Jet Nolan picking up the victory. And um, Jamie Skinner wasn't very happy with Jet Nolan following his victory. Uh, and, and a comment by Jamie Skinner following Jet's win on Saturday. Well, we raced hard early. We raced hard. And we got together. I got into him. He got into me. That's racing. I, haven't, I don't have any problem with that. I think that's so far we're just fine. Now, what happens when you have an invert? That's what happens when you have an invert in a 35-lap race, Skinner said. But what he did to me, three wide, bounced off of me, killed the right side of my car and completely destroyed it. That's not tolerable, and it will be dealt with. Strong so, words. <laughs> that tells me that there's something coming else and it's coming forward, and it's not over. We surely didn't expect it to happen last night. Uh, and then Jet Nolan, after being told that quote uh, by Jamie Skinner uh, in Victory Lane, says, good for him. It's his problem, not mine. Uh, he's going to be slow for the next race, probably. So, so whatever. If he's going to race dirty, he's going to be race dirty. That's all I have to say. He had plenty of time to lift off the gas, and he didn't. So that's his fault, and not mine. Obviously, uh, they both remembered those statements. Uh, started out, you didn't know if they were going to be together. Uh, Skinner started towards the front of the field. Jet Nolan started towards the middle of the field. Uh, Nolan came through the pack, though. Very fast race car last night. Uh, when he finally took the lead, uh, Jamie Skinner down the backstretch, 
uh, Skinner just decided to end his night literally and uh, and drove into the back of him and just destroyed that number 50 machine. That's where I had the problem. So the, the problem is uh, the way that they raced one another through the field and, and the, the contact or the problem is junk in a race car. Where, where's your problem? My, my problem is on, on a several different levels. Number one, I did not. I thought that the, the beating and banging that they were doing down the straightaway and not wrecking each other, that was exciting to me. One guy was leading one lap. One was a nose ahead on the other. That's short track racing. When you take somebody out and you tell everybody the night before. That you're going to do it. That you're going to do it. Now we have a problem. And so he, he, he junks Jet Nolan's race car. Um, Jet got out really slow. I know he felt it. It was a, it was a hard hit. That, that car's really destroyed. But then I had a problem with he goes to the rear. If I was up, if I was up there and I was calling that race, he's not going to the rear. He's going to the trailer and load your stuff and get out after something like that. It was just amazing to me, uh, you know. And then he he ended up spinning another gentleman later after going mm. to the rear, coming back through the field. Uh, that probably wasn't in, on purpose and on accident, and then he got black flagged at that point for rough driving. Yeah, well, and I think I think the way that things are going, you know, um, kind of a three strikes and you're out type of situation. Unfortunately, <clears throat> and this is kind of where I think you're taking the exception is the first strike was basically a hit batter take your base. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? And uh, should have been you you feel should have been done right now. Yeah, I. I can relate back to an incident uh, in my driving days. You know, I had an incident with with a gentleman uh, on the racetrack, and we showed up the next week, and before we could go on the racetrack, we had a meeting with the general manager of the racetrack, and he Mm. said, this is over now. If it's not over, load your car back up and leave. Of course it's over. I want to race tonight. Right. That's what I'm going to tell him. Yeah. Well, Was it it over? No way. Not on either side. But I'm not going to load my car up and go home. So I tell the gentleman, yeah, we're fine. It's a whole, every, shake hands, for bump, bump fist, good to go. Got right back in it again. That, <laughs> got right back in it again that night. Yeah. Um, so, And I think the same situation happened here. My understanding is that Race Control talked with both of these drivers after the Saturday night incident, after the interview where he said, I'm going to go for him. They had a meeting Sunday morning and kind of did the same thing. Sat these two drivers down, sat the crew chiefs down or car owners and said, you guys are not going to play these games on our racetrack. And again, you got to watch the race. I didn't. I think that these two could have made that race work, but they just got linked up so early and they started beating fenders really early in the race uh, to the situation where, you know what? Skinner was presented an opportunity and he took advantage of it. And uh, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see uh, what comes of it because these guys are going to get a break, right? They aren't going to see each other tonight. Is that correct? Uh, no, they won't see each other tonight. They come back tomorrow night and run, which most of the field needed the extra day because I don't think they could field a whole division after what happened last <laughs> night, to be honest with yeah, you. Yeah, it was pretty rough. Uh, but after last night's wreck, you know, Skinner, they, Skinner did make another comment. He said, I meant to hit him, but I didn't mean to hit him that hard. I definitely didn't mean to tear, tear up Mr. Jet's car as bad as it's tore up. Unfortunately, ours was tore up last night. I hate it for those guys. That is a very nice statement of Jamie Skinner to make. But you don't buy it. I don't buy a minute of it. He meant to ball up that race car, and uh, he made sure he balled up that race car. He didn't just tap him. He didn't just nudge him. He drilled him in the back where there was no way that Jet Nolan could save it. You're you're lucky we have such an action-packed show tonight because you and I, we could talk about this (laughs) until we were blue in the face Um, because, I I don't know, you look at the video and you see a lot of different angles and, uh, you know, the caution was already coming out when that happened. Did did the 50 car lift early? And, you know, I want to believe Skinner that he wanted to just turn him because I think that as a driver, I don't know that I've ever wanted to hurt another driver while they're in the car or completely junk their race car. I wanted to make sure they weren't going to go to victory lane that night for sure. Um, I, I just don't know if the intention was – because as you said, you thought that this could have hurt that driver the way that he hit the wall. And I don't I don't know if his intentions were to junk a race car. I he, think his intentions were to take him out of contention for the race, but I don't know if he wanted to junk that race that car. That car almost hit driver's side. He's lucky he caught a whole lot more of the rear of the car mm. than the driver's side. Uh, 
if he would have hit that driver's side, it could be a whole different situation today. Uh, we wouldn't want to think about that, but yeah. Um, well, it, it, it just looked it just looked ugly. But that was just one of the things last yeah. night. That wasn't the only thing from that race. That wasn't the only reason that that made that race, in my opinion, one of the worst late model races I've ever watched. Yeah. Well, and with you know, four what? cars left at the end. Nine straight days of racing at New Smyrna Speedway. Drivers are going to tend to make some mistakes. Crews are going to make. There are only three in Zach. <laughs> three in. I'm trying to give these guys some. <laughs> grace here rich you're not helping so uh, th that's the here's the deal segment the here's the deal segment uh, again it should be brought to you by uh, you know like a pain reliever of some sort because uh, you and i very 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 rarely agree during the here's the deal segment so we come out of here's the deal and uh, we roll right into a driver that was kind of in the mix of everything that we just hotly debated about um uh, inter inter introduce us to who we're talking to now well yep this young man uh, was a 2019 co-rookie of the year at flat rock speedway in the outlaw super late model division down at speed weeks now uh turning laps in a template body pro late model uh hayden sprague welcome back to horsepower happenings hi uh thanks for having me so you're a little busy down there not a bad weekend uh i must say a seventh and a third and a fourth uh coming out of the gate yeah, it hasn't been too bad. I really got to keep working at the car, get some more speed, and I think we'll be able to do that for the last four nights. Now, I, I, you started out seventh, uh, and just from watching everything, uh, I'm watching every night, so I, I get to watch it mm -hmm. all live. Uh, looked like an awful cold night right out of the gate, and, and it was a whole. It was pretty difficult to get some grip on that first night. Uh I'm not so sure about that. It might have been the case for some people, but uh, we were kind of struggling with our car a bit. Um, it was a little bit better the second night and a lot better yesterday, for sure. Yeah, on, on Saturday night, uh, really it was the end of the race that that, uh, that was outstanding for you, uh, a late caution, and then you made a few passes and uh, got up on the podium. Oh uh, yeah, we uh, I don't remember where we started on that restart, seven from six or maybe six or eight, something like that. But uh yeah, we passed three or four cars and ended up finishing third and uh yeah, it was pretty good. Um yeah, it could have been a little bit better. Obviously I wanted to go up there and go for a win, but still it's cool. Talk about what it's been like down there at Speed Weeks, obviously. It's very busy down there, a lot of a uh, lot of eyes watching what's going on. Um, what, what's the atmosphere been like down there at New Smyrna so far? Uh, it's been really cool, actually. I mean, it's, uh, first speed weeks for me, you know, being down there, uh, I've never gone down as a spectator or a driver, so, uh, it's pretty cool. Lots of racing, uh, lots of good drivers down there, you know, it's been pretty cool. Now you're kind of kicking off your 2020 season, uh, down here at, at, uh, at speed weeks in New Smyrna I, and, and, Obviously, looking for some success, as Rich said, seventh, third, and fourth, and you've shown good speed in in the in the uh, pro late model that you're driving down there. Um, how would you rate your weekend so far? Would you say that you've kind of met your expectations, or um, are you really gunning for victory lane before it's all said and done? Uh, yeah, right now I'm really not at my expectations yet. Uh, definitely, we've been working on the car, working on the car, and uh, we're going into tomorrow with a lot of changes on it. So we'll see what it does. Uh, yeah, I definitely, I want to get a win, you know. Uh, obviously, everyone wants to come down here. You know, I've been down here for a couple weeks already. So, uh, yeah, I really want to get after it. Now, we have to talk about last night because I've already expressed uh, <laughs> to Zach that that was probably one of the ugliest late model races that I've ever watched, oh. to, to be honest with you. <laughs> uh, how was it? We'll get to everything, but how was that for you to endure that in the seat of the race car? Uh, honestly, it's I felt sad for the fans, everyone that pays to watch the race. Uh, there's no reason for to start 21 or 22 cars and only have four finish. You know, I that's really sad. You know, and there was probably about 10 cars on tow trucks yesterday, and uh, you know, it for me it was you know it was all about being patient and. Uh, being real careful because I had three or four racks happen right in front of me. I was running seventh at one point at the start of the race because I started tenth and uh, had two cars hit and go in front, you know. But then again, you got to think about it. this is speed weeks, you know. It's known for wrecks, uh, definitely got to be on your feet and be on your A game. And I was going to say, I noticed you had several opportunities to put that uh, number 51 machine on a tow truck, and you did an awesome <laughs> job. Uh, <laughs> 
awesome job staying out of trouble. Yeah, for sure. Uh, definitely one thing I'm good at is conserving equipment, and uh, definitely do not want to be on the tow truck. But 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 you did you did it. You had a nice job at the end. I you know you understand there's you're down to four cars left, um, and unfortunately, I think of the four cars that were left, you had the best car. Uh, you just kind of caught the leader at the wrong time and uh, thought you almost had one there. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was definitely an accident. You know, like I said in all the interviews, Speed 51 and uh, all that, is there was nothing intentional. Like I said, it was a, there was four cars on the track. I think only three of them were even on the lead lap. Uh, definitely the last thing I'm doing is something like that. So it was kind of weird, you know, uh, at the start. Uh, I was able to line up on the outside because uh, two cars that were behind uh, the three of us were kind of saying that they give us lots of room. So I was able to go to the outside when I was starting third and uh, kind of had a, it wasn't, it didn't get up to speed as like I wanted to on the restart. So the last four laps, I think it was like a five lap shootout. I just drove the car as hard as I could and ended up having my fastest lap of the race on lap 34. 35 so we got there and i got into the corner and at the center when i went to get on the gas you know because we're full throttle on the pro late at the center of the corner uh yeah it was just one of those things it was almost like it came to a complete stop in front of me so definitely a bummer but it is what it is it's not a big deal yeah and you know you look at the fact that uh, obviously for you not consecutive but as far as the racing goes at new smyrna nine straight days of competitive action on track and, uh, you know, I think sometimes along the way you're going to have some bad nights. And, uh, unfortunately, mm-hmm. last night was one of those nights. How do you as a driver now, tonight, on Monday night, you kind of have the night off from the Pro Late model. Mm-hmm. How do you regroup, hit the reset button, uh, not only for you but as the entire class, uh, and go, okay, the next time we're on track we're not going to have this same sort of result? Uh, yeah, uh, honestly, right now I have no idea how many cars are we I was just going to say that. I don't know how many they're going to be able to fix after last night. Yeah, you know, it was kind of sad this morning. I walked into the track at 10 a.m. to go help the RCS crew, and it was kind of just a bummer to see all the cars with rear clips or front clips off of them, you know, the prolate models in the pits, them trying to fix them and all that, you know. Hopefully all of them can get their cars fixed, you know. It's never fun, you know. Like, for us, I drove 1,200 miles down here to race, and just to see, I know how everyone else would feel. I know how I would feel if that happened, you know, and, Hopefully a miracle can happen and most of those guys can get back out there, you know, because I know everyone that's down here, they're all competitors and everyone wants to race just like I do. I want to get your opinion on kind of a hot button, you know, discussion topic that a lot of people have thrown around. And and that is that some people might say that the racing action that we saw last night is not surprising from a pro late model class. We've heard people say that, you know, pro late models are a caution fest type of race. And I think that you, being a driver in that class, can probably testify that that you are racing against very good race car drivers who are very capable of, of keeping these cars underneath them and keeping them clean. Uh, what do you think it was about last night that just made things so difficult? Uh, you know, I, I, there's lots of things I could say, but I'll kind of just keep it simple. Uh, I mean, really, there's lots of boneheaded moves. Uh, I mean... Just, like, from my standpoint, is like, I'm lining up in sixth with, I don't know, there's only ten laps into the race, and I'm getting doored when we get the one-to-go sign, you know. It's one of those things, I know you're supposed to be really up on the wheel on the restart, you know, maybe try to get a little bit run up if you're on the inside, because the outside is the first group, but, you know, when you have kids that have never raced weight models before, and they're driving into you before you even get the one-to-go, or as you're getting the one-to-go, I think that's what leads to it. And then on the restarts, all that, it it was mayhem, you know. And just getting driven into like that, everyone's had it. I almost got destroyed in the one and two yesterday on the restart. I got someone just dive bombed me. So it's just one of those things. I mean, I think now that they always say that when speed leaks goes on, you know, that it starts to calm down a little bit. And I hope it does. But I just hope everyone, you know, because I've been down to uh, New Smyrna, uh, three times in the last couple months, you know, big races, and I've we've never had any racing like that. Everyone gives each other room, and it's always clean, hard racing. You know, every car finished at the Governor's Cup, every car finished at the Red Eye. There's no wrecks besides the uh, blown motor. So I don't know why we can't get back to that, but hopefully we can. 
Now, taking a look at that uh, number 51 machine that you're driving this week, it didn't look too worse for the wear last night. Uh, uh, what shape is that thing in? Uh, oh, you mean it's damaged? Yeah, yeah. It looked like you had a little bit of tire marks, but uh, nothing that couldn't keep it from going fast anyway. Like you said, turning your fastest lap on lap 34. Uh, yeah, there's nothing really wrong with the car. Uh, gonna put a new polka dot sticker on the side of it, for my sponsor, <laughs> and uh, should be good. Honestly, there's nothing really much. I think uh, there's a little bit of fiberglass. I mean, it stayed in the trailer today. The only cars that were worked on at the RCS. Uh, pit stalls for the 26 and the fifth or the five car my car really didn't have any damage on it so it's always a plus to go first three nights almost halfway through the series without any damage so you got tonight off what's the rest of your schedule look like uh, over the next week and a half or so uh well there's four more races left for us in the pro race so we're sitting third in points right now i think so definitely gonna try to go for the championship and see how it goes but i'd rather get some wins over uh championship yeah well we hear you there and uh, obviously uh, the old adage is if you get the wins the championships will come and uh, you know you showed speed given that last night was an endurance race but still you showed speed and uh, that's got to be something exciting to build on so uh, we know that there's racing action going on at new smyrna tonight so we'll let you get back to that um, but uh, mm -hmm. good luck for the uh, the rest of uh, speed weeks and obviously good luck in 2020 when you come back up here Oh, thanks. I appreciate it. All right. Uh, that's uh, Hayden Sprague down there at Speed Weeks this week. Appreciate him taking the time to chat with us. Uh, we have to take a break. When we come back, we'll call somebody up who's closer to home. Uh, Ron Allen's on the other side. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Horsepower Happenings. When the call sounds from race control. Hello, yellow, yellow, bottom of one. Yellow, 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 bottom of one. Top motorsport sanctions rely on the elite team of industry professionals for Motor City Racing Promotions to respond. Highly trained men and women in uniform systematically arrive on scene with their advanced fleet of safety vehicles equipped for the toughest jobs. Hours of annual training and practice are executed with precision as the task is rapidly performed in unison. Each official on the MCRP safety team is SFI certified in short track incident response and demonstrates a comprehensive background in motorsports, firefighting, and emergency medical services. It is their own appreciation of this sport and its growing need for professional motorsports rescue that has been the catalyst behind MCRP Safety Team's impeccable portfolio. For more information on Motor City Racing Promotion Safety Team, log on to MotorCityRacing.co and look for the MCRP badge at a track near you. Suspension Max is a service and solution-based manufacturer of automotive suspension and specialty parts. Based out of Bay City, Michigan, the local company began servicing clients in 2002. Suspension Max serves the automotive aftermarket as well as engineers and produces specialty suspension components for original equipment manufacturers and government contracts. Learn more about what they can do for you at SuspensionMax.com or call 1-888-629-9226. Suspension Max, the leveling kit experts. This is two-time Money in the Bank 150 winner Brian Campbell, and you listen to Horsepower Happenings. Welcome back to Horsepower Happenings. Zach Heiser, Rich France with you. And, uh, man, it's been a busy show so far, and we're just about halfway through, maybe a little less. Uh, but we've been really focusing on Speed Weeks this show, but, uh, Rich, we, we knew we needed to get this guy on, and so we made sure, and, uh, well, you made it happen for us this week. Yeah, I don't know what took us so long. He should have been on a long time ago. Uh, he's a four-time, 14-time ARCA Weekly Racing Champion, uh, 135 career wins. Uh, he used to make his home in Lincoln Park, Michigan. I think he's in Brownstown now. Ron Allen, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Well, thanks, Rich. Uh, glad to be on the show. Now, let's start back a little ways. Uh, we're about the same age, so I think we both started racing back around 1980. Uh, I found out something new. You didn't win your first feature till about 11 years in. Yep. Yeah, it, it took me a long time. Uh, but doing it all by myself, it, it just uh, it made it feel even better when that finally that first victory came. And then then really with your championships kind of worked the same way you you kind of put them all together starting in 2000 i mean it, you you raced for almost 20 years before you got your first championship yeah we did uh like i said it just took time to 
learn how to win the races and then next learning experience was now how to learn the championship but once we got the the first one down it uh it seemed to work out very well after that so you we're going to look at the let's start with these championships 14 time arco weekly racing series champion at flat rock and toledo 10 late model sportsman championships uh, that includes one silver cup uh two late model one at toledo one combined between flat rock and two street stock championships, uh, you kind of spread it all around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we really did it. And when we won the uh, the late model championship and the challenge series, that was in 2002. And that was just a, a year that you, you couldn't believe. We won the late model championship, the street stock championship, the overall challenge championship. And if I recall right, I think I finished second in the late model sportsman championship that year. So it was it was quite the year that year. Now, when you're looking at this, uh, we've talked before about guys that race Flat Rock and Toledo. These could be two very different racetracks, and then they can be, depending on if you're racing on a smaller track at Toledo, you could probably find some similarities. But um, I'm guessing most of your time was spent on the big track at Toledo. Talk about what you had to do to, to maintain your speed between both of these tracks when, when you're running. Yeah, the, between the quarter mile and at Flat Rock and then the half mile at Toledo, it, it's quite a bit different. Uh, things happen fast at both racetracks, but Toledo, because you're going so much faster, uh, you really got to be aware of what's going on. Um, and total different setups. So it, it takes a while to learn them both. But um, I, I seem to finally caught on around 2000. And, and that's when everything took off. Yeah. And that's, you know, I was going to ask you if you had managed to conquer both tracks in the same year. And, uh, well, the answer is yes. You had two track uh, championships uh, in 2000, one from Flat Rock and one from Toledo. In two different classes of cars, by the way, no less, uh, how was that for you to keep track of that during the week? Um, you know, we talk to guys that will do swap seats on the same night and trying to remember which car they're in, but how about... No, no, in the same car. In, in the same car. In the same car, trust okay. me, I know. <laughs> okay, in the same car. So, so you know, man, did you have to make on-the-fly changes from track to track in, in less than 12 hours? Yeah, we sure did. You know, at one point, uh, I only had the one car, and we would come home from Toledo Speedway and unload the car real fast, work, put all the different setups on it, and then go to Flat Rock the next day. Uh, it's just a lot of note-taking. Uh, I've learned to get very good at taking notes, so we always got something to go back to. Got to be very diligent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, and long nights. There's been plenty of long nights. Now, I think I, I go back to 2000 because 2000 through, oh, I think 2006 or seven. I did race against Ron at Toledo uh, on a weekly basis. And I, I think in 2000, um, I'm going to speak for the rest of the division, We, he kind of, it was like uh, taking candy from a baby because, <laughs> uh, you know, he had all these laps, all these laps and experience at Toledo, and all of us, probably had none not that many all added together wouldn't you say ron yeah i i had way more laps than yeah you could probably add up the rest of the cars i raced against and i probably had more laps than all of them combined and because i ran there so long in the sportsman division then i ran there in the outlaw late model division so yeah i, I had a ton of laps and a ton of experience at toledo and I can tell you, Zach, I'll tell you, I, my best finish ever was in 2000 at Toledo. I finished second in the feature. I'll give you one guess who won it. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get tired of chasing that uh, that car there? Didn't yeah, you? so I went back to Flat Rock. There you yeah. go. There you go. <laughs> now, I got to wonder, you know, Rich asked you earlier, you know, it took some 11 years for you to really start seeing some success between these two tracks. That That's a long time to wait for the success to start coming. Um you know, some drivers, I think, at that point would say, you know what, after 11 years, I haven't won a championship. The, the numbers really aren't there yet. Uh, maybe this isn't for me. Maybe these tracks aren't for me. Why did you Why did you stay committed to these two tracks throughout those years? Well, the, the big thing was that I was doing it 
underfunded by myself, uh, and I had crew guys over the way. And it wasn't until around then when I started picking up some sponsorship help, which always helps. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just had people also telling me, you should give up. You should give up. Well, that just made me work harder and harder until I could finally conquer it. So that that was my motivation. It's like, okay, if you think I can't do it, yeah, I can. It just took me a while. Well, something worked on the motivation side because, as we said, 135 career feature wins as of the, as of the end of 2019. Uh, third all-time behind Joy Fair and Bob Stute. That's pretty exclusive company. It really is. Just to be mentioned in with Bob and with Joy is, is just incredible to me. I mean, when I first started racing, I got to tell you, if there was a wreck, Ron Allen was in it. <laughs> you know? So, so it, it took me a while to learn the game. Um, but like I said, just I never phantom when I started this that one I would still be racing. 30 years later and that I would have such success. You know, it's, it's just been pretty crazy really. Now let's go back just a little bit uh, because we can go back to a night in May of 2005 where all of this could have ended. Uh, you had a rough night at Toledo in a late model upside down on fire. Um, a very bad situation. You, I mean, you really, really honestly could have lost your life. Uh, you spent 30 days in an intensive care burn unit, um, and you came back and won a race that year. What was going through your head, and what made you want to get back in a car so soon? Well, as any driver will tell you, the only thing that really scares us is fire. Mm. And that, yeah, that that one should have ended my life. Well, luckily it didn't. But my motivation was just that, I had to get back out there to try it to see if I could still do it after that kind of wreck. So uh, it's, it's you mean men- you mean mentally, right? Yes, mentally. Yeah, because you know I I can remember going to Toledo Speedway the first time after that fire and driving down into turn one and knowing this is where I was flipped over, this is where I was on fire. You could still see it in the racetrack. Wow. where it burnt the racetrack so it it was and then once i got past that first day which i had the racetrack all by myself that day um then the motivation just came back it's like this is what i love to do and this is what i want to continue to do what would you tell a younger driver who goes through that because i think we've seen it where uh, and we've seen it from local level all the way up to NASCAR, where a driver will get involved in a very serious accident, and they're just not the same, uh, whether it's a mental block or what the problem is. What would you tell a younger driver who maybe encounters a hard wreck but wants to continue racing? Um, how would you coach them to get get over the mental block of, of remembering what happened? Well, the biggest thing is to get back into the car as soon as you can. You know, the longer you sit out and think about it, the harder it is to get back. So even if you don't go to race, like I didn't, the first time I went back, I had the racetrack rented all by myself. There was nobody there, no fans, no cars, just me. So it let me get past the mental block. And I'm a big pusher for safety equipment. Mm. Uh, That day that I got burnt that bad, thankfully, every piece of safety equipment I wore was brand new. So it's, it's a big thing. Just even if the car's built a little bit heavy, build it safe. Sure. Now I want to go back to um, well before this, and you got a chance to run in a uh, supercar series. That's no longer around. It spent uh, about uh, nine, 10, 11 ish years around the uh, Michigan, Ohio, and uh, even some Pennsylvania stuff, and that's the Iceman Supercar Series. We hear a lot about this series from drivers that were around during that time and just how cool it was to be a part of that. What was your time like in in that series? Oh, it was a fabulous series. Uh, 
it was one of the best painting series that that I've ever drove in, uh, which that made it good. But great group of guys. Uh, they we all helped each other. Uh, the competitors, you know, you had the best of the best running that series. And uh, like I said, a, a a good thing about that was they had a committee that actually got together. And we made a payoff that worked for the guy that won, but it actually worked for the guy that finished dead last as well. So the money was spread out, and that's what made that series so good where you could afford to do it. And and that's tough because you, you have to have the guy at the back just like you have to have the guy at the front. Yeah, absolutely. Now, we look forward to 2020. We know we kind of talked about 2019. Maybe wasn't the best year that uh, you've had in recent memory. And uh, let's be honest, your last championship came in 2016, which all of a sudden is uh, some four years ago. What are your goals coming into the 2020 season? Oh, we're we're coming back 2020 looking for the wins and the championship. Uh, we picked up a, a victory last year at Flat Rock. Uh, and finished second at the other race there. We had our struggles in Toledo, but we found the problem. Um, so that's being taken care of engine-wise. And uh, we got that spark back. You know, when, when you don't have the best of year, the next year you want to come back out and prove, okay, that was just a down year. So we're, we're definitely fired up and, and getting everything ready to, uh, to run for the championship again in 2020. And I was there that night at Flat Rock when you picked up the win um, this year. And it, I've never seen you so happy over a feature win. Was there? Did was something lifted off your shoulders that the year was so bad you just felt that good to at least just get a win? It, it really was, Rich. I mean, we had a horrible year, 2018. We destroyed a motor opening night, and with my job, I just sat out the whole 2018 year. And then 2019, every time we went to Toledo, we had an engine problem, which is very unusual. Um, But we found out what the problem was. It was nothing to do with my engine builder. It was a manufacturing problem. So now we got that fixed. And just winning that race at Flat Rock just sort of gives you the confidence back that, okay, you're, you're headed back in the right direction. Well, Ron, it'll be exciting to see what you can do. Uh, do. Do you have aspirations to maybe surpass those two big names that are ahead of you on the list? I know you, you'd have some work to do to get that done, but uh, would you like to see yourself at the top of that that list? Well, we, we all would, but, you know, one of my idols growing up was Joy Fair, and, and I don't see me for ever catching him. Um, do you know what you need to do to do that? Do you know what the number is? What's the differential? <laughs> Um, it begins I, with a two. Uh-oh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it, it begins with somehow me backing up the time clock about ten years on how old I am. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I could catch Bob. Um, you know, we don't race as much as we used to, so it even makes it hard to catch Bob. Mm-hmm. But uh, like I said, just. Even being third, my my name mentioned with two great drivers like Joy Fair and Bob Stoop, that's good enough for me. That's way more than I ever expected ever in my career. Wow. Well, it is very cool to uh, look at your stat- your statistics and go over everything that you've accomplished. And uh, um, it, it'll be exciting to see if you can really rebound this year like you would like to and uh, just see how close you can get to Bob and Joy on, on that list. Well, that, that's what we're hoping for and looking forward to. Um, you know, we'll see. Like I said, I, I really feel good about this year. We figured out our problem from last year, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll keep fighting to, to at least catch up to Bob. And you're going to get back in a street stock this year, right? I can't make that announcement yet. <laughs> <laughs> I, you I find out too much stuff too early. You tried. <laughs> you tried. Well, nonetheless, uh, Ron, we appreciate you taking the time to be on the program tonight. Good luck with 2020, and uh, we'll be sure to watch your progress, and hopefully we can have you on the show again soon. 
All right. Yeah, I appreciate being on the show, and, and thank you both for having me on. Well, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we head back down to Florida in Speed Weeks, where it's time to catch up with another guy that's right in the heart of everything, only he's kind of doing it from a different standpoint. He's not holding a wheel. He's holding the checkbook this week at Speed Weeks. Uh, we'll, we'll make that phone call. We'll tell you who we're talking to on the other side. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Horsepower Happenings. The Motor City 200 is coming back for a third try on Saturday, April 25th from Flat Rock Speedway. The first can't-miss event of the year features a season-opening 100 laps for Champion Racing Association's JEGS CRA All-Star Tour. Also on the card for the first time since 2007, Modifies will battle wheel-to-wheel with 75 laps at the historic Speedway. The Victory Custom Trailers CRA Junior Late Model Series opens their sophomore season with 25 laps around the Metro Detroit Bowl Ring. The Motor City 200, Saturday, April 25th, from Flat Rock Speedway, a Motor City Racing Promotions event. For more information, log on to MotorCity200.com. Looking to solve a suspension issue on your current vehicle? Suspension Max is a service and solution-based manufacturer of automotive suspension and specialty parts. Based out of Bay City, Michigan, Suspension Max has been serving the automotive aftermarket as well as engineers since 2002 and produces specialty suspension components for original equipment manufacturers and government contracts. To learn more about what they can do for you, give them a call at 188-629-9226 or go to suspensionmax.com. Suspension Max, the leveling kit expert. The call sounds from race control. Yellow, 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 bottom of one. Yellow, 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 bottom of one. Top motorsport sanctions rely on the elite team of industry professionals for Motor City Racing Promotions to respond. Highly trained men and women in uniform systematically arrive on scene with their advanced fleet of safety vehicles equipped for the toughest jobs. Hours of annual training and practice are executed with precision as the task is rapidly performed in unison. Each official on the MCRP safety team is SFI certified in short track incident response and demonstrates a comprehensive background in motorsports, firefighting, and emergency medical services. It is their own appreciation of this sport and its growing need for professional motorsports rescue that has been the catalyst behind MCRP safety team's impeccable portfolio. For more information on Motor City Racing Promotion Safety Team, log on to MotorCityRacing.co and look for the MCRP badge at a track near you. This is Ryan Missler, driver of the Matt Carmody-owned number 50 UNT late model, and you're listening to Horsepower Happening. Welcome back to Horsepower Happening. Zach Heiser, Rich France along with you. And Rich, it's our pleasure to head back down to Speedwakes uh, via the phone line and talk to somebody that's kind of on the other side of the equation. We usually talk a lot to drivers. Now we're going to do something a little different. Yeah, this time we're going to get an owner on, on the phone this time. Uh, the owner of KBR Development makes his home in Holland, Michigan. Mike Bursley, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. How you doing, guys? Uh, you've had a busy last four or five days down there, haven't you? <laughs> I think that's to say the least. But uh, when you when you do uh, an event like Speed Weeks and you're going to commit to the whole thing, it uh, you're racing every single day, dang near. I think this is actually my only day off. Um, you're racing every single day. It's 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 busy. I'm not going to deny it. It is busy. Now we'll go but back. We, we've been less busy than some some guys. We've been fortunate so far. Yeah, we'll go. Let's go back to last month. Um, you know, the big decision that made a lot of news: David Gravel jumping in your machine. Uh, for the Lucas Oil 200. Um, seemed like he got up to speed pretty quick, and he did a pretty darn good job in the race uh, this weekend. Yeah, it was it was, uh, it was was great to have David in in our car. Um, he's just a great guy. Uh, it was, um, he had a lot of good shining moments in that race. It's just, you know, it's, it's restricted plate racing, and anything can happen, uh, but it was a great learning curve for him. We, everybody had a lot of fun. It's just, you know, that result is... Uh, you know, car got a little beat up, and, and he couldn't be there to contend for the win because uh, we had a west side window blow out a couple times, and the whole door blew off, and it just, uh, unfortunately, got a lap down there at the end, and uh, he couldn't be in contention to, to run for the win, but it was, like I said, it was a great experience for everybody, and uh, it's a very, very, very talented person. Uh, as you, as we all know, we see him on dirt, dirt stuff winning races all the time, so... Um, we're looking forward to seeing them uh, do these truck races, uh, and, and maybe we can get them back in the car uh, later this year in the Arca stuff. 
How did this come about with David? Because, uh, you know, as you said, that's what I was going to say, is we've watched him have such success in the world of Outlaw Sprint Car Series and, and uh, everything he's been able to accomplish there. I have to admit, when I saw this, I was kind of surprised to see him going to this Arca, Arca side of things because he has found such great success in the world of Outlaws. How did this come about between you guys? So it really came about uh, through this, through our merger uh, or with moving down to North Carolina and our, our alliance with um, with GMS. Uh, Jeff Gordon uh, reached out to, to GMS uh, owner Mike Be or uh, President Mike Beam and um, worked out a deal. So he'll be running some truck races for GMS. Uh, and in the meantime, we want to get him. Uh, so Mike Beam called me and then said, hey, what about uh, putting David Gravel uh, in the car at Daytona? Um, Jeff Gordon's kind of, you know, trying to push, help push this kid along, help him out a little bit. Uh, what are your thoughts? And I thought it was a great idea. Anytime that uh, you can uh, do something to get affiliated with Jeff Gordon, uh, that, that's a pretty <laughs> incredible thing. Yeah. Now, how did this come about for you to, uh, you know, obviously you, you talked about the alliance with GMS. Um, you know, I think everybody was really proud to have KBR in Michigan and was really, uh, you know, loving the fact that there was an ARCA stable coming out of the state of Michigan and they were doing really well. Um, how did this come about to move to, to uh, the Carolinas with GMS and uh, what led to that big decision? Well, it, it, you know, of, of course I loved having it in Michigan, having it at home, but um, realistically when you're in, in the, you know, the ARCA series, the higher, the higher up series, it's really hard, you know, as far as help goes to get some additional help and the other resources that are there. And, and when you have the opportunity, like I said, to to partner with uh, a company like GMS and, and they're wanting to, to work with you, it's kind of a hard thing to pass up um, ultimately, you know. But right now we're going to keep our late model program still based out of uh, out of Michigan. But with the ARCA stuff, uh, I mean, they, they build the cars right there. It, it's it was just one of those things that uh, business-wise we just kind of had to had to do. You know, it's a, traveling back and forth 800 miles to, to go get a car fixed is, is <laughs> gets to be time-consuming. And then it's uh, not only the travel part of it, but then, you know, it's a couple days there, a couple, you know, a day there, a day back. And, and that just takes up time. And, and when you're racing 20-something times a year, you just don't have that kind of time. You know, days are very, very important. So um, it just... Uh, it was just a good a good opportunity for us, and we just had to make that make that decision to do that. Now we have a young man up here that we follow all the time, and we talk to him. We talk about him on the show, and have had him on the show. Uh, that's Carson Hosovar. How proud are you of his development? Uh, he, he's done a great job. Um, you, you know, that, that's our that's always our goal is to to you know work with kids, get them success, get them trained, um, and and help them as much as we can. To, to to know what it's going to take to get to that next level and, and we were fortunate enough to work with Carson for I believe 40 years um, and now he's moving on to bigger and better things so uh, you know running running nine truck races uh, this year for Nice um, so you know it, it's great to see him move on and, and wish him the best of luck but that that's the whole idea right the development program is to give them the tools and and let them get better so you can kind of feed them off to the next level correct Cor correct correct you know not just driving wise but you know when you got to have everything in the sport these days you can't just <laughs> this sport takes a lot of money as as we all know mm -hmm. so you could be a really 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 good race car driver but it does take money so it's it's not just it's not just training on how to drive it's it's they're helping them learn how to drive and, and all the fundamentals it's also helping them brand themselves and, and, and how to speak to people and represent themselves uh, when when you have the microphone in front of you you know you got to keep your cool keep your calm you know it's always good to show emotion but uh, at the end of the day people are watching and and all it takes is that one person uh, that really wants to invest in you and help you out and and it could really help move you along in the sport so uh, we try to do a little bit of everything um, when when we work with kids uh, take me back several years ago when the idea came to have KBR development. Um, and the decision, obviously, when you're going to have a development race team is that you're not going to be able to get attached to these drivers because the idea is to move them through the quote-unquote farm system. When you wanted to launch this, this, this team, 
why was it a development team instead of, you know, we'll call a conventional team where you could retain a driver? You, you know, the idea would be to, to get a lifelong driver that is going to become uh, kind of your superstar. Why'd you go mm -hmm. down the development route instead? Uh, so it, it goes back to even when I first started this, uh, Brian Campbell. Uh, he, Brian Campbell actually uh, drove for me. Um, drove for me from 2008 to, I believe, 2014. Mm -hmm. I think is, uh, was it 14? I think it was 13, I think through 13. Um, so I did have that, uh, that, 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 that driver. Um, but I ended up, you know, uh, Brian and I, um, just the timing of everything, I went on to, to help focus more on running Berlin Raceway. And I just didn't have time to, the time to, to put into a race team anymore. So Brian went on in circle ways and I kind of stopped doing the racing part of it. And, and when I, uh, when I sat back and thought about it a little more, it's like, you know what? I, I think I just want to work with, with kids and help develop them and get them to the next level. I enjoy, I enjoy seeing the success out of a, you know, nothing's better. Like, I don't know if any of you have children, but when you have a kid and you see them succeed, I think you're happier to see that, how happy that they are than, than what it was when I was winning, you know? When you had that superstar driver, yeah, it's always cool to win. But when you can actually see a kid nail his goals and, and win races and how excited and amped up they are, I think I get I, I think I get more of a kick out of that than anything. So um, I, I that's I guess that's kind of why I went that other route, um, and I want to see him, you know, go on to the next level. And you know, one day I can hopefully say, hey, I worked with that kid. You know, it's great to see him move on. So. Um, I think that's that's realistically. I think probably the, what I was thinking at the time, um, <laughs> you know. But at, at the at the other end of it, it's like you know you are working with kids, and and they're racing against grown adults, um, and and you got to realize that sometimes it's like hey they are still learning. You, you know, thirteen. I think when we started working with Carson, I believe he was. Uh, I don't even. I think he was just thirteen, twelve or thirteen. I'm trying to remember. I think. That sounds I don't right. It <laughs> sounds right. It's well, like Jesus, yeah, and it's his like twelve-year-old. <laughs> yeah, and his career has exploded so quickly. You mentioned uh, the the whole working with kids. Um, you know, for those that listen to the show regularly, they know I was a I was a young driver when I raced. Rich, you were an older driver when you raced. Um, Mike, what what sort of issues, if any, did you have when you are facilitating this grade A equipment? for these younger drivers uh you know we we talked with hayden sprague earlier and we kind of talked about how the pro late model division has a bad rap for for having you know and these are other people's words not mine you know snot-nosed kids with too much money and not enough talent did you ever run into that problem as an owner where you had other guys coming to you saying why are you putting these kids in such expensive equipment you, you get that all the time and at, at the end of the day it's those guys started those guys started uh, at one point too. Mm. Um, whether it was expensive equipment or, or not, um, whether it was something that they pulled out of the junkyard or, or something that they 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 spent a million dollars on, you know, we all they all have, everybody has to start at some point. Um, and a lot of the times, I know a lot of these what they say is not those kids that you know they always blame the kids for it. But I, I mean, I've been at a lot of races and seen a lot of races where these veteran drivers are doing the same thing sure. um, and wrecking people, wrecking, wrecking cars. And it, it's, it's, it's all over. It's not just kids. Um, just easier to place the blame there. These, exactly. And a lot of these kids are sometimes better than these veteran drivers and the veteran drivers just don't like it. So, and I'm not, and uh, you know, by no means am I trying to bash anybody here. Um, it's just, you know, you've seen it. So um, some of these kids are very talented. You can go, you can go back and look at, uh, I mean, look at a Chase Elliott. Um, he he started, you know, young. Came up to the ranks. Eric Jones started young. Some of these kids are very talented, and that's what it takes it for them to get to the next, the next level. I mean, you can look at a Christopher Bell now too. So, um, they got to start somewhere, and and it's no different if in a, in a stick and ball sport, you know, a lot of parents, you know, will send their kids to, to camps and, and let them develop, you know, but I get it. It's a camp and they're not destroying a million dollars worth of equipment, but um, they're still, they're still going and learning and they'll make mistakes and, you know, sometimes they'll, things will happen, but I don't, uh, 
I, I just take it with a grain of salt. I get it. It's 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 the industry, and people are going to say what they want to say. And you know, we talk about the kids here in Michigan. You know, like Carson Hosovar, uh you know Hayden Sprague doing a very nice job for himself the first three nights down there at New Smyrna, um, not balling his race car up like everybody else is. Uh, and then you got somebody like Haley Deegan who did a heck of a job on Saturday. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of young kids that have talent these days, whether male or female. There, there is. I mean, there is. Haley, Haley is uh, a very, very talented young lady. Um, I, I think you are going to see her at that next level. Um, she does have great equipment. She's got great marketing partners. But, but they know it's, it's you know, you have only have a, a, a limited amount of time in the sport to actually try to make it, yeah. just like any sport. Um, so what people, you know, parents or grandparents or investors are doing is they, they know they have a limited time and they're going to do what they can to get them to that, to that next level and know that they have to get it done in, in X amount of time. And if they can't do it, then they got to move on to their next dream, you know, realistically. So what is the, tell, tell us what, what do you got coming up uh, uh, the rest of 2020? I guess we're just getting started a little bit at, <laughs> at, at KBR Development. And uh, who, who are you going to put in some of these race cars throughout the summer? Well, some of the stuff is still not finalized. So, um, you know, I just got to be careful with what I'm saying here. But um, Oh, you can tell us secrets. We won't tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, only uh, right now we're going to. We're going to finish out uh, Speed Weeks uh, this week with Tyner Mozak. Uh, you know, this is uh, he's going to be driving for Junior Motorsports and Late Model Stocks uh, next year. So it's uh, he he wanted to get some more experience. He's never been uh, in a late model before, so this is his first time in a late model. Um, so he's really done a great job progressing throughout this this uh however many days i've been here i don't even know they all kind of blur um, together don't they <laughs> they do it's like you literally ask somebody what day is it again i don't even know um uh so he's he's we're gonna finish out speed weeks with him uh this week and hopefully you know we've been so close already with with trying to get some wins um but uh you know he's been i think all three nights he's been in contention to to be up front for the win uh which is uh what, which is what our goal was coming into it with him uh for this week um but after that we're going to kind of regroup uh we're going to look at doing some more late model racing with a couple different drivers uh that are still to be announced at a later date <laughs> i'll just say that yeah, yeah good way to, uh, good way to get around that <laughs> <laughs> and, and then the arca stuff um we're still trying to finalize uh, a couple things there as well um i don't really know if we actually are going to run a full arca season this year um just yeah we're still working on some stuff so um I, i'm I, we have full intentions of, of running a full arca season but uh we're we're just trying to button some things up right now well and if you don't i mean what what is sponsorship drivers uh, i don't want to dry, dive too deep into what's going on but uh, you know i mean what, what what does it take to to be able to say okay we're completely committed to a season um a lot of times it's drivers you know getting the right drivers in the car and and you know we we want to every time we go out there we want to win and we want to be able to contend for the win so it's mm. it's if you want to put the right you know work with the right drivers and make sure the drivers are, are wanting to go out there and win as well yeah. so otherwise it's just not good or fun for anybody whether it's employees people you know sponsor other sponsors other racers that yeah. are out there um you just want to make sure it's the right thing so uh we're, we just have to button some things up yet and uh our, our, we, like I said, we have full intentions of. We just have a couple loose ends that we got to tidy up. Well, Mike, we appreciate you taking the time to talk to us tonight. You can keep up with everything that uh, his group, KBR Development, is doing, kbrdevelopment.com, uh, also on all the major social media platforms at KBR Development. Uh, Mike, we'll let you go so you can get back to enjoying your one and only day off during Speed Weeks. Uh, <laughs> I'm still at the racetrack. So. <laughs> of course you are. Of course you are. But uh, we, we do appreciate you taking the time to chat with us tonight, and uh, good luck the rest of Speed Weeks, and hopefully we get to see you soon in 2020. Yeah, thank you very much, guys. Well, Rich, it's time to wrap up the show, and uh, by the time we talk next week, we're going to have even more Speed Weeks coverage to try and break down. But uh, the cool part is is we're kind of trading in some of our UMP Modified guys that are down there that are regional 
for some sprint car guys that are going down this week to compete. And so that's going to be really cool to kind of watch the Brad Lambertsons and the Ryan Rules compete down there at Speed Weeks. But not only that, there's some ARCA racing happening uh, right now, as a matter of fact. As we speak, <laughs> we're, tr we're trying to do the show and keep an eye on the ARCA. But the ARCA Menard Series East, 175 laps tonight at New Smyrna. Also, the Tour-type Modifieds from the Northeast may are making their first appearance tonight in their 50-lap feature event. So uh, we'll, get the, we'll get the late models back tomorrow night. Yes, and uh, speaking of late models, dirt pavement uh, you know there's so much going down at speed weeks i cannot wait until i'm in a situation where i can go down there for two weeks and just kind of bounce around the state of florida um but uh, there's so much to cover so hard to kind of keep track of everything but that's where we step in rich um uh, we're trying to put it all in one place for you we should go back next we should go next year and we'll just turn in an expense report how's that there you go that yep. works for me <laughs> horsepower happening speed weeks 411 you can find that online at horsepowerhappenings.com all this week keep up with what's going on down there at Speed Weeks in Florida. Um, we know there's a lot to go through, but it's really cool. We compile the pictures, the, the highlights, the results, and uh, little blurbs about what's going on down there as well, all in one place for you. A lot more next week. Zach, have a great week. All right. Thanks, you too, Rich. When we talk again, uh, as we said, we'll be trying to recover from Speed Weeks. And once that's over, that means it's almost time for racing up here in the state of Michigan. Spring is just around the corner. For Rich France, I'm Zach Heiser. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks to Ron Allen. And thanks to Hayden Sprague. Thank to Mike Bursley for being on the program tonight. Keep up with us on Facebook and Twitter and log on to horsepowerhappenings.com. You've been listening to Horsepower Happenings on the Motor City Racing Network. Catch up on past episodes by logging on to horsepowerhappenings.com. And be sure to tune in next week to keep up on what's happening.